Hey guys, this is Mike. This is self-evident podcast number 44. That is right. We are at 44. If you haven't noticed, it's just me. There's no one else here. There's no one in the office, no one in the church. It is pure Mike. So you are with me today. Uh, Massey actually just got in last night, about 3 a.m. He flew in from New York. They had a homeschool convention. So keep him in your prayers. Um, I know he's exhausted. Uh, He's gearing up for more. They actually have a homeschool convention in Jacksonville this weekend. So by the time this comes out, he will be there setting up, getting ready. So if you are in the Jacksonville area, please check out this homeschool convention. Go say hi to Massey. Let him know you are listening to the podcast or you're watching it on YouTube, you know, whatever. Maybe even BitChute. Maybe even Facebook or Instagram. We've got all kinds of stuff that's going to lead into some of the stuff that I want to give you before we get started. We have www.theselfevidenttruth.com. Please go to this website. Check out what we've got going on. Check out our merchandise. We do have amazing hats, which, frankly, I haven't worn in a while. Um, So next podcast, I promise, I'm going to wear it because it is an amazing hat. You can get those Make America Constitutional Again hats. We also have T-shirts. We have... DVDs, we've got curriculums, we got all kinds of stuff for sale that you can pick up so you can learn more about what this nation was founded on and the biblical heritage of our country, as well as the solution that we feel God has provided for our nation. Also, we will be on Facebook, we will be on Instagram, correct? I'm saying we, as in you guys. You'll be visiting Facebook, you'll be visiting Instagram, you will be visiting YouTube. We are on SoundCloud, we are on iTunes, we are on Spotify, pretty much everywhere. I actually have just gotten us uploaded and started on BitChute, so please check that out. The thing about BitChute, so if you haven't heard of it, which funny enough, this is going to be run on YouTube, but YouTube can't do anything about it yet, uh, BitChute is an alternative to YouTube. So some of you may be concerned about what's going on with YouTube, especially with Steven Crowder. Um, that was kind of the shot across the bow of conservatives. Uh, they went after him. They, there were a lot of other smaller name conservatives that have already been banned, deplatformed, restricted. Um, and Massey and I have talked a lot and I have raised my concerns several times of our time will come, um, at some point, unless things really change in the culture of YouTube and in Google, um, our time will come where we will be deplatformed, we will be banned, we will be restricted, limited. Um, so now's the time for us to really start setting up alternative options. And with BitChute, that's what it is. Their whole thing is a free speech platform. Um, they are a platform where all ideas are given, given consideration. If you aren't comfortable with that, one thing I want to ask you is, what are you willing to sacrifice for security? And if you truly believe in your ideas, don't you believe that your ideas can win? Do you believe that your ideas can conquer other ideas that are not true? Do you believe in the truth or the veracity of your ideas? Here at Self Evident, we know what we're talking about is truth. God's laid it out for us. God's given us this as a gift in order to have light and be led properly, to walk the correct and narrow path, the straight path, correct? So the whole reason I'm going on this diatribe is 
one of the things BitChute really commends itself on is allowing alternative views to get the light of day in order that they might be sterilized. Um, the bad views are the ones that reason should be able to end quickly. Um, we won't get rid of ideologies completely, but we can push them out of existence, not by control or censorship, but really by truth, by the light. Light pushes out darkness. And as Christians, we should have firm faith in that, that light pushes out darkness, light gets rid of darkness. It's the truth that most of us understand. And when it really sinks in, we start to understand what truth is and what a lie is. If you look at something like pseudoscience or uh, phrenology is a perfect example. Phrenology was the study of the brain, the brain pan, and the, the skull. And certain characteristics were given to certain traits. And so you would take a race of people, you would describe them in a general form that their skulls had less of this and more of that and different width here. And, and that would show traits, which phrenology was eradicated as a science. It, it was debunked thoroughly and put away into the dustbin of history, which is good. And we all agree with that. It didn't get put in the dustbin of history because it was censored. It got put there because it was wrong. It was proven wrong. It was ended. It was done with. Will phrenology make a comeback? I believe so. Because it's attached to an ideology. And ideologies are very hard to get rid of. We have to accept that. And one of the things I'm going to be talking about today nails that. And so how do we combat an ideology? Because an ideology tends to have a belief connected behind it which we put our heart and souls in our beliefs. And many people will say today we're all divided. There's, there's so much division. There's so much controversy. There's so much problem and issue. It boils down to belief. It boils down to environment. It boils down to experience. All of these things come together to create a belief which fuels an ideology. And one of the things that I will be talking about, which I felt really called to do this tonight, were the recent shootings. Um, by the time this podcast comes out, more information will be known. So I'm, I'm working with what I'm given. I did feel it was necessary to actually confront this. And I had originally planned on recording a couple of days ago, and things got in the way, and, and I decided, well, I'll, I'll wait for Sunday. And I'm actually very thankful I did because this stuff is important to talk about. And this stuff is important for us to give the self-evident view of what's going on and to put the truth into it. Self-evident's whole mission is putting Christian truth to social problems and issues. We're here to give God's solution to what's going on. And I, I know <laughs> that's that sounds a little fundamentalist, uh, a little extremist, um, but if we believe God is true and we believe that everything God says is truth and that God wants the best for us, then it stands to reason that God has answers for the daily problems that are going on in our life. There's many times where God put down answers for 
Israel, and for foreign nations. It said, look, turn back to me and you will be blessed. Now, I could end this in 30 seconds and say our nation needs to turn back to God. So let's get on our knees and repent. We're good. Good night. It's true, but there's more we can do. Um, there's, there's a more nuanced angle to it, I think, than just that. Just to give you an insight into what we'll be covering in the next couple of weeks. Um, next week, like I said, Matthew will be gone at the homeschool convention. So I will actually be having a guest on. Um, and after that guest, once Massey gets back and we're back into the role of him and I co-hosting, we've got a couple of topics that we really want to cover. And I know a lot of times in the midst, in the heat and the passion of a podcast, we go, oh, we got to talk about this. And there are plenty of times where something else comes up and we feel more on our heart for another subject. So this this is subject to change. Don't don't hold it as gospel. But some of the things we want to talk about. So while Massey was in New York, and I, I don't want to take away too much of the flame, but I want to give you guys a taste. Massey felt really heavy about some of the stuff that's going on in New York. You have a law that was passed that there's no longer a religious exemption for uh, not vaccinating your children. And around, this was probably a month ago, two months ago, um, New York passed a law that outlawed declawing your cats. Three or four months ago, they passed the abortion right up to birth law with no no restrictions. We're noticing a trend in states like New York and California. And at the risk of being that conservative, these places are warning signs. They're the canary in the coal mine. If you look at how law and social values flow... It tends to flow from Europe, and in the next 10, 15, 20 years, then it tends to start to manifest on the coast in California and New York and in Massachusetts, and then it starts to move its way inwards. And a lot of times, that's by force. It's not even really by pure acceptance. It's government officials that see what's going on in the coast and say, well, I want to do that too, and not... Not that there aren't bastions of uh, liberal and progressive thought in the inner cities in the inner United States, but the coasts seem to be the signifier. They, they seem to be the one that, that warns us of what's coming. And New York has really made a lot of moves lately. And Massey and I, I think, are gonna, we're going to go in-depth, kind of like we did on California, um, but even more so in-depth on the stuff going on in New York. And how do we fight this? What do we do? How do we react? If we are for liberty and we are for state sovereignty, how do we tackle that? How do we go forward as constitutionalists, as Christians? We see laws that are not right. And their law is actually against God's law. So what do we do? Or the amoral law, which there's no discussion in the Bible about declining your cat. So then we have to fall on, okay, what's the constitutional answer to this? What's what's the independent, um, sovereign individual's response to this? 
So that's one issue. We also really want to cover the debt. We want to talk about debt and deficit, um, the nation as a whole with money, money going in or money coming in, money going out. Trump's tariffs, all of that. And illegal immigration. I know it's a huge topic. Frankly, I get tired of hearing about it. I don't know about you guys. I get tired about hearing it. And the fight that goes on back and forth, when really we're missing the whole point of what's going on with our nation. What's going on on the borders and illegal immigration? And why is this such a problem? And it didn't just start with Trump. It's been a fight for decades upon decades. Every nation has some conflict about what to do with its borders, how to react, how to treat those who want to come in. And the funny thing is, we're having an argument about people who want to be here. I love the fact that people see opportunity in America because that's exactly what it was designed for. And we as conservatives, we know and recognize that. And I think we've got to make our voices more heard on this fact that, look, we support people coming here for opportunity. We love that idea because it's great. And there's, there are a lot of conservatives who say, no, I don't want anybody coming in. We're full. Get out. I disagree wholeheartedly. Um, and there's a myriad of reasons that I'm not going to get into right now. But just to give you a taste, guys, we've got to think about that. If we're a land of opportunity and we want freedom for other people, we want liberty, that means we want to protect other people with our values. The question is, do their values coincide with ours or do they not? And how do we react to that? Back to the whole ideology. So those are a couple of topics that we have coming up. Um, it's kind of an exciting month because we're really going to be nailing some new stuff and going deeper on some of the older stuff. But with that said, I want to get into some of what's going on in the news, especially with these shootings. So we have had a rash of shootings. Now, in America, we, we tend to boil down the fight, which you guys know. We tend to boil this fight down into guns or extremist views. And we're quick to want to know what side the shooter is on. And I know I do it, too. When I'm looking at the news article my guttural reaction is to go, what's their motive? What's their motive? What's their motive? Because it's either a reaction of, Phew. okay, or a reaction of, oh, come on. Oftentimes, we're wondering, is the person on our team or the other team? And the next reaction, which we notice our politicians do all the time, is to decide, is this something we have to cover up? Or is this something we've got to use as ammunition against our enemy? Let's look at the shooting of the congressional baseball game. Conservatives pounded on that of look what this Bernie Sanders ideology is doing. Now, there were plenty of conservatives to come out and say, look, it wasn't Bernie Sanders who caused this. It was somebody who was mentally ill somebody who took extremist views. And the other side, when they have their shootings that, that are 
boy, I should rephrase that. When there are shootings that they feel justify how they perceive conservatives, they're quick to jump on it. And one of these is actually a great example of that that I'm about to cover. They make their reasoning. They turn it out to us and say, it's because of the guns. Or now, they're noticing they're not winning on the gun argument. And the gun argument really isn't going anywhere. So now it's turned into ideology, especially white supremacy and incels. Incels are involuntary celibates. And it's a small community that has really connected with each other online where their frustration with being turned down by women and their frustration of not being able to find girlfriends or social being social outcasts has turned them into aggressive, extremist, violent people in the small minority. The vast majority of them are frustrated. And, and I want to discuss this in depth. Um, also, the white supremacy thing I want to discuss in depth, but it's ideology. And what's going on now is ideology is being referred to more than the guns themselves. The guns, it, that's become B. Um, and there are a couple of articles that I, I was looking up where you could tell the author wanted to remind us that guns are a problem and the easy access for these incels or these white supremacists. But the real problem is the ideology. The real problem is the connection to far-right ideology or far-right beliefs or alt-right or extreme conservatism. And I even looked up on the ADL's website, the Anti-Defamation League, which is a um, very left-leaning Jewish website uh, along the, the vein of the Southern Poverty Law Center. The ADL really conflates conservatism with far right with alt right and sometimes we've got to break down these definitions so that we know what are we looking at what are we really looking at because a lot of times we think we're looking at conservatism or even far right when what we're actually looking at is authoritarianism and you could describe it as extreme right although those definitions kind of break down I would actually argue in today's American culture and society, the extreme right would be more akin to anarchy. Whereas extreme authoritarianism is more in the left radical sphere. Because if you look towards the center, what are we looking at the difference in? The role of government in the individual's life. For the right, the role of government should small, become smaller. It should shrink. The individual should have more liberty. On the right, as you start to move, or on the left, I apologize. On the left, as you start to move more left, what do you notice? Bigger government. More role of government in a person's life. Um, I think the 80s Christian conservative um, kind of bucks the trend of what's more right for a conservative. Um, because the values were the same of the conservative, but the answers were wrong. Um, the answers were, were really anti-conservative 
government means to be needs to be more involved. Government needs to be more oppressive in this. So that's that's an aside. But if you look at look at it that way, more in the middle, and you start to spread out towards the fringes, I tend to think your far right is going to be more anar- anarchistic, whereas your far left is going to be more authoritarian. And we've got groups that are very authoritarian, even if they believe their end goal is a non-government entity. Um, and that's something else that I'll get into some other day. But with ideology, we have the white supremacists and the incels that are being blamed for a spat of domestic terrorism. And the ADL has come out with statistics that the vast majority of domestic terrorism incidents are due to white supremacists. Uh, One of my issues with this is they don't very well define the motives of the shooter. And they lump in various motives into a white supremacist far-right idea. Um, So, for example, incels, they tend to consider far-right, which being rejected is a universal idea. There's nothing that connects them purely to the far-right, which I would argue there's plenty of lefties that can't really get girlfriends either, right? But you've got a white supremacist movement, which is always conflated with the right. And I've struggled with that because somebody like Richard Spencer doesn't like the Constitution, doesn't like the idea of limited government. A lot of white supremacists, neo-Nazis, actually believe in a socially engineered society on the basis of race or color and having a very strong authoritarian government that is planning and moving and engineering the society forward. It's individualists who believe all men are created equal that buck against that, which are your most, most of your conservatives. Um, most of your conservatives want individualism. We're Lockean, we're, we're libertarian in, in a way, um, and the opinion on how much government involved is more of a nuance argument. It's, it's not a complete different set of opinions or beliefs. So let's get down to brass tacks. The El Paso shooting. The numbers up to 20-something dead. Guy walks into a Walmart. He's got an semi-automatic rifle, extra magazines, body armor, starts shooting up the place. And it's come out that most likely his motive for driving the nine hours from where he lived to El Paso was a quote-unquote Hispanic invasion. And police are, in a roundabout way, confirming that this is the motive. They are pursuing uh, significant hate crime charges. Um, This could be a death penalty issue. It's really sad. It's really frustrating. 
that we are to the point where somebody's walking into a Walmart and shooting people because they're Hispanic. And the arguments, of course, have broken down to Trump's racist, Trump has ignited his racist base, or he's not one of us, he's a lone wolf, crazy ideology, nobody really believes that except him. I'm not even going to get into the Trump thing. I'm going to leave it. It's not something we need to talk about. We could, (laughs) but I'm not going to do it. I think there's something deeper here. And I've had a lot of struggle with this, especially after this shooting. Because for the longest time, I argued this isn't something that's big. This isn't something that needs to be addressed strongly or discussed. It's small fringe minority that are naturally going to pop up. And I don't know what it was about this one. I'm not sure what it was that turned me to believe, okay, we've got a problem. I don't know if I'm just sick of seeing the body counts or sick of looking for the motive and looking for, okay, what's going on here? Why is this Why is this happening? You know, am I on the right team or the wrong team on this one? But I've got to step back and say, is this becoming a problem? Now, I just I just said I argue with the ADL and their assessment of what's causing a lot of mass shootings. It really depends what your definition is of mass shooting. So there's several different definitions. They may include, you know, at least four people shot. You know, it may include at least three people killed. Um, it really depends on what you're looking at and what they've decided to determine is considered a mass shooting. And when you look at Chicago, you look at Baltimore, you look at Detroit, we've got spats of shootings going on. And that stuff doesn't make it in the news unless you have a really violent weekend in Chicago. And conservatives were quick to point the finger and say, look at that. What is going on there? You guys are totally ignoring it. Blinders on. I agree. But... We can't run away or ignore this problem. And I think we need to step up and we need to actually get ahead of this solu- this problem. And you might argue, boy, we're not ahead of it. We're behind it. But we need to come out strongly and not just condemning it. I'm so sick of the, did you condemn it or did you not? I'm sick of the, well, thoughts and prayers aren't enough. We're just yelling at each other. We're criticizing each other. There's no solutions. And I want to get to a solution. And I've really thought about this. What is the solution, especially white supremacy? And let me cover the incel thing a little bit. So there's been a rash of shootings, um, attacks by men who are considered incels, involuntary celibates. Uh, One of the most popular was Elliot Rogers out in California. He attacked um, sorority girls. He drove around shooting at people wildly. Uh, he, He was a very deranged individual. 
And when you looked at his manifesto, his manifesto covered a lot of his frustrations with him being rejected by girls for more popular guys, jock guys, guys that are commonly referred to as chads, you know. And this idea, we look at him and one of the articles, I've got an article on thetrace.org. And this article is by Jennifer Massia. And I'll, I'll try to provide a link in the description below. But when you go through, she lists a lot of the different incel attacks. And she's pretty thorough on that. And I'm happy with her for doing that. But her solutions are to scrub them from the internet, break up these communities. Um, Reddit has banned an incel forum. Um, I know Facebook and YouTube are careful about words that are used or, or videos which who knows what's going to happen to this video since I'm using the term. But I feel that banning is really just the wrong way to go. And it's not just the individualist in me. It's not just that side of me that goes, oh, that's liberty, so you can't touch it. It's more, what is actually the solution? Because you ban them. Okay, you get rid of them. You, you say you guys are no longer allowed to congregate. You've just marginalized them more. You've, you've given them more reason to be upset and to feel like an outsider in the world. They are now a martyr for their own cause. And they're always going to find a way to communicate and to dispense their information. Germany really has tried to ban as much Nazi discussion as possible um, within reason you're not allowed to deny the Holocaust in Germany. It's, it's against the law. But they still have a rising Nazi movement. It's still happening. So we've got these movements that you can get rid of or try to, that, that you can separate them out, you can try and divide and conquer and, and squash the discussion. And their hopes are, um, the, the hope in doing this is that you'll get rid of them or dispense them enough that they can't congregate and share ideas. And if they can't share ideas, they can't build on those ideas, so therefore you won't have the problems of new people being indoctrinated into the idea. But the problem is the cause is not the idea. The cause is a social one. The cause with incels, especially, is somebody who's been rejected repeatedly by women or by society and have decided, I'm an outcast. The world doesn't accept me. That's been happening since the beginning of time. The question is, what are we doing to connect with them? What are we doing to show them that lashing out at the world is not the way to go but in fact, there is a rehabilitation that's possible. And I don't mean a forceful rehabilitation where you're going to sit and we're going to hold your eyes open as you watch this movie that will brainwash you into a new idea. Instead, showing the problem or the bias of the original idea. So here's what happens in the mind or, or how you come to a belief. A lot of times you have an event or experience, you have evidence that has built up to help structure this belief. 
And the further you go, the more you gather information. And, and this is an, an information bias, the cognitive bias that we tend to have, all of us have it, where we get rid of information that doesn't help support our point. We all do it. With an incel, when they're rejected, and their mind goes, once again, I've been rejected. Once again, women hate me. What if there was a girl that likes them, but they didn't have the courage to go ask the girl out? They had an inkling, oh, maybe she likes me, but they were too, too scared. And she, she gets tired of waiting, and she, you know, somebody new catches her eye. And that person has the courage to go ask her out. What a healthy individual will do, will look at that situation and go, I missed my chance. I've learned I have to change how I approach this. An unhealthy individual will go, she rejected me. She didn't come to me. She likes somebody else. She wasn't worth it anyways. And this happens with our confirmation bias over time. And I'm not saying that there aren't guys out there who just, for what it's worth, aren't real attractive to the opposite sex. But the question becomes, okay, what are you doing to improve your chances? What are you doing to improve your social interaction? I know people who have no social skills whatsoever. I don't look at them and I say, uh, you're screwed, dude. Uh, just please don't go shoot up a place. I look at them and I go, how can we improve this social interaction? How can we get them to look at other people and go, I want to connect. I don't want to prove to myself that they don't like me. So with these communities of incels, I was, I was talking to Massey about this and I said, you know, I'm almost tempted to sign into some of these communities and start getting to know these guys and provide something new to them and try and provide reason to them. And in a second, I'm going to get into the faith aspect of this. But why aren't we reaching out to these communities? Instead of saying, go back to the dark holes where you came from, you cockroaches, why aren't we saying, I want to get involved in there and rehabilitate these people and help show them light, show them hope, show them truth, show them what's really important? Because a lot of times the fact is they're misguided on what's important. They're so focused on not getting laid that they don't realize that there's more important things in life. And if they focus on those more important things, they'll, they'll take it off the pedestal. It becomes more reasonable, therefore easier to reach out. And the, there's a real psychology to this of if you put it up there and it's something you feel you can't ever get or achieve, then it will always be something you can't get or achieve. And plenty of people become bitter about this. Plenty of people become bitter against the rich because they feel they can never achieve reaching wealth. So instead of trying to find solutions for how to become more wealthy, it's easier to decide, I've been the victim, I've been held back, I've been discriminated against. It's, it's everybody else's fault. And this is a real problem, especially in our society and culture, is victimhood mentality. 
if you think you are a victim, you will never think you can be a solution to the problem. You think you can have revenge and you think you can attack, but you don't ever really think of being industrious to get out of the problem or get out of the conflict that you're in. And I think this is a big issue with this incel group is they don't really truly believe they can change their path. And they say, well, I'm a nice guy. I've done all of this for women. I've done this. I've done that. I have these skills. I have these attributes. They just don't want to be around me. Therefore, it's all their fault. And that's dangerous because once you've become an outsider, you really got nothing to lose and you can become a martyr for the issue. So what if we turned around and instead of saying we're going to push them into the dark, we're going to we say we're going to rehabilitate and we're going to go forth and we're going to decide I'm going to get invested in this group that I don't like what they stand for. There was a, a story of a black guy who he was changing hearts and minds of KKK members by interacting with them. And going so far as really connecting with them, giving them hugs, loving them. And he's got a string of successes of changing their hearts and minds about who black people are. That's what it's supposed to be. Because if if he stood there and pointed the finger at them and called them racist and hated them and said how evil and horrible they are, they get defensive. And if they get defensive, they just start firing right back. And he's just proving them right in a way they go uh, see see black people hate me they can't stand me it's because i tell the truth we do that a lot what if we instead of attacking these groups like the white supremacists and the incels we started showing them god's truth what god intended for us so with the incels what did god really intend for us to be he intended for us to love him completely and walk with him. If we do that, we're not focused about the approval of man. We're focused about God. With the approval of God, there's less pressure and importance on, is a woman going to accept me or not? And frankly, I believe God provides partners for us. Does he only have one person in mind? I don't believe so. But, is he one who wants to bring matches together? Absolutely. He brought Adam the helper, Eve. He saw man was lonely. We are lonely without a partner. There are extreme few people who are truly happy without a partner. The vast majority of us, there's something inside that says, I'm alone and I want to be with somebody. I believe God put that into us. And so for the vast majority of us, we look to Adam and Eve and we said, well, God gave him Eve. He created her for him. And they find something in each other to connect. When we look at these incels, what's going on inside them is, I'm alone. I don't have that somebody. But the question becomes, well, what have you really done to... Make yourself the best you. Are you more confident or are you less confident? Are you well-groomed or not well-groomed? 
are you, do you have goals in life? Do you not have goals? Are you producing and providing for yourself or are you completely dependent? There's something to that. And it's hard not to jump on the bandwagon of, well, I've done all this and I've done all that and they just don't want anything to do with me. I'm done. Truth is, perhaps you're seeing yourself not in a completely accurate light. So I believe that the mission on this stuff, on these shootings, I really believe this mission is that we need to start finding a way to get involved in these communities. There's a way to do it. There's a way to get connected. There's a way to start making connections one-on-one real face. We need to start seeing people not as who they are, but what God sees them as or what God sees them that they will become. We've got to have hope for people. And we do. We can. I think one of the big issues in America is we're losing hope for each other. We're really losing hope, guys. But I have strong hope and I have strong faith that this is about to change. All the problems are being shown now so that we're really at the point where we can see the problems for what they are and they're they're out in the light. They're big. And the internet has helped facilitate this. We call the internet the scourge and, and there's this joke that the villain in one of the Avengers movie looked at the internet for five seconds and decided that humans need to be destroyed. Uh, so we look at the internet and we go, oh, it's, it's just a black hole of trash. But I see it as something that's really reflecting us back in the mirror. And that's a good thing because now we really see what we are. And we have the opportunity to change that. And we have the opportunity to go farther and to help other people change it. And that comes with Christ. What do I mean by Christ? How do you find the solution in Christ? When we give up everything for God, we're not giving up ourselves, but we're really giving up the old sins and the old ways of thinking about things. And we're giving it up so that we can reach and attain to something greater. When you give up your life for Christ and you start to carry your cross, you're walking in his shoes in a day-to-day basis. You're creating relationship with the creator of the heavens and earth a creator who wants to go deeper with you and to show you his love completely so that it doesn't matter who you are or what you've done, but that the Father loves you wholeheartedly. And he does. He wants you. He wants to be connected with you. He wants reconciliation. And if you make that step and you reconcile with God through Jesus Christ, Okay, I'm going to take the Christianese out of it. You've disobeyed your father, your creator. You went against him. You caused hurt and pain. But the worst part is he's the one who set the law. And you broke the law. There's consequence. What's that consequence for breaking law? Death. Which in the Christian terms is not just physical death. You may live a ripe old age, but it's spiritual death. 
And spiritual death is not being in communion with God, not being connected to him in any way. You are separated from God for eternity. Now, if God is love and he's joy and he's peace and he's patience and he's kindness and he's generosity, that means you've been separated from all the good things in the world. What is there left? Despair, pain, hatred, weeping, gnashing of teeth, confusion. So Jesus Christ was the gift. And punishment had to be dealt for breaking that law. So God sent his son to die and pay the penalty for us. The beautiful part is Christ was resurrected three days later to prove he was that gift and prove that he is God in the flesh. So that gift is there. You accept that gift and you say, Christ died for my sins because I can't die for them. You've then been reconciled with the Father. You have relationship with your Creator. And you can walk through this life with the Creator. Growing deeper with Him. Getting to know Him better. The way it was originally intended back in the garden, God walked with Adam in the cool of the day. Could you imagine walking with your Creator through the most beautiful garden ever. And you get to ask your creator anything. You get to discuss with him. You get to let loose on on what's going on in your life. You have that chance now. And when we accept this gift and we reconcile and we grow deeper, we realize that it's not just about us. It's not just about what we want and who we are. It's about giving all that up so that we can walk with God, who's going to give us so much more. Will he give you a partner? I don't know. The funny thing is, I know plenty of people who had to wait a very long time, and once they finally understood their relationship with God was when they finally got their partner, me included. I was a serial monogamist, is how I call myself. Serial, serious relationship guy. One after the other after the other. And had a relationship explode like a nuclear bomb and sent me into a tailspin. And God put me in a relationship desert for about a year and a half. And I learned so much about him and about myself. It was funny because I finally came out of it realizing... I'm okay. I've got God. I I could have a relationship. I don't need it. And I really felt a piece of like, okay, eh, maybe I'll start looking. And it wasn't long before I met my wife. God's faithful, but he's not going to just give you something that's going to make you fail. He He wants you to succeed. But he doesn't want to lose you. He's not he he's not willing to actively try to separate you from him. He'll give you free will. 
It's us who decide to walk away. If you're one of these people, you're an incel, you're a white supremacist, and you, let's say you don't even paint yourself as that. Let's let's do away with the terms. Let's say you feel frustrated that you can't get a girlfriend. You feel frustrated that, honestly, you've never been late. Or you feel so mad that you seem rejected by the world. I want to sit down with you and I want to talk with you. And there's so many other people who want to talk with you and want to be with you to understand you. The problem is we just haven't realized that we have the courage to do it or the permission to do it. So I want you to contact me. I want you to get a hold of me. I want you to let me know what's going on in your life. Why do you feel so rejected by the world? Why do you feel so rejected by women? How can we change that? How can we make you more comfortable in your skin? How can we make you more confident? How can we give you goals? Most importantly, how can we improve your relationship with God? And if, let's say you believe that other races are inferior and that there's one race that seems to just stand out above all the rest. I want to discuss it with you. And I'm not, I'm not going to sit there and tell you all the reasons why you're wrong. I'm going to sit there and try to figure out and help you figure out what's behind all of this. And how can you become a better human being by showing love to those that you feel are inferior to you? It's not love to oppress somebody or to push them aside or to marginalize them. It's love to reach out to them. Christ sent himself out to the poor, to the sick. He was there for those who were outcasts, the tax collectors, the prostitutes, the drunkards, the gluttons. He was the one who went out. So we as Christians, instead of pointing the finger and saying either, we don't know what's going on with that, I really don't care, or pointing the finger and saying, they're evil, we need to just get rid of them. We as Christians should be the ones who are standing up and saying something needs to be done about this. I have to go love these people extra because they need it. And they do. Tell me that your ideas aren't shaped by the stuff that's gone on in your life, the history of what's gone on in your life. If you hate white people, what's gone on in your life that has, has made you decide that all white people are this? Or if you hate all black people or you hate all Hispanics, what went on? It wasn't just watching certain TV shows or YouTube channels or newscasts. It wasn't just listening to podcasts. It wasn't just reading articles. There was something in your experience that helps start that path and foment that path. And I want to know what it is. Because the only way to heal is to find healing through Christ who is the way, the truth, and the life. If he's the truth, we find healing in the truth. And the truth is much greater than we tend to give it credit for. 
when we go, it's guns or it's white supremacy or it's socialism or it's illegal immigration. If we just stop there, we're not giving the truth. We're giving a piece of the truth. You know, I, I talk a lot about socialism um, and communism, Marxism, all the isms. And my argument tends to break it down on a philosophical level. Uh, what's what's going on? How does this society tend to get there? Why are they getting there? Um, and that's part of the truth. I think a big part of the truth of why we're attracted to this type of stuff is that God has ingrained certain traits into us. And if we don't look to him to maximize those traits or those gifts, we will twist and pervert them. There are plenty of people who truly believe that socialism is the best way to help the poor. That's noble. However, forcing somebody else to give up what's theirs is theft. You've broken one commandment in order to try and uphold another commandment. You said, I need to love my neighbor as myself. So I'm going to steal from my other neighbor in order to love that neighbor. We've justified it. The full truth is, I need to love my neighbor as myself. So I'm going to use my own resources and my own drive that God has placed into me. And I'm going to use my own opportunity to take care of my neighbor. When we look at all of this situation, all this issue that's going on, it feels like America's falling apart, guys. I know I get to the point where sometimes I feel like America is just kind of falling apart right now. But it's darkest before the light. And with everything that's in me, I know God is not done with us. And I know that we have hope that if we start praying that God would lead us to do what we need to do, and that we start praying for more laborers in the fields, God will provide. I have hope that this nation was uniquely set in God's will. And I have hope that we can redeem this nation, our society, our culture, our beliefs, our values. I believe that even if you are an atheist living in this nation, that you can still be blessed by my Father who makes it rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. He loves all of us. He wants to be reconciled with all of us. And if revival breaks out, which I believe it will, I know that we can change this nation to become a unified, blessed place that shines God's light from the hilltops. I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing if I didn't believe that. I could be doing so many other things. But I believe that God is good and that God will lead us out of this if we start seeking him. And we start praying for his solutions. That's a big thing is like I'm praying for like, God, give me vision of how to solve this. Give me vision for what to do. And he's given it to me. He's providing it. There's so much we want to do with self-evident. We really want to expand this and grow this. We want to reach more people. We want to be a voice in the nation that this nation can change.
and have hope again. There's such a loss of hope right now. And there's so many people who look at it and go, eh, it's done. I have hope. And I have hope that there's so many people that are marginalized and outcast and oppressed that can find hope in God again. One of the most inspiring things is the faith of slaves. You might look at them and say you're crazy for believing in God that has allowed you to be slaves. But these slaves were so eager to know God. And God got them through trials and tribulations and pain and suffering. And we can have that faith. It just takes time. It takes prayer. It takes seeking. It takes vision. It takes submitting to vision. It takes discipline in God's will. It takes stepping out. It takes love, most of all. This is something that really moves me. And I know I sound very <laughs> I sound very monotone on it. Um, it's difficult for me sometimes to really convey to you guys what I'm thinking because my mind is just it's rambling. And I want to get it out in words, but I want to get it in a way that's going to keep you guys listening. And sometimes I feel like, man, that's that's a losing battle. Uh, not all of us were gifted with extreme charisma. But if there's anything I can convey to you guys, it's I do have hope. And I am so willing and ready to fight. And like Massey and I have talked about, a lot of times I think about what am I willing to sacrifice for this? And I don't know that I can confidently 100% say I'm willing to sacrifice everything. And I pray my words aren't tested. But I have to. And God is with me one way or another. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not bend the knee to the idol of Nebuchadnezzar. And I always think their, their response is interesting. Their response is, we believe God can save us. But even if he doesn't, we're still not going to bend the knee to an idol. We will worship the Lord only. It, it would, it's that, that little part of, even if he doesn't, we're still going to praise him. And God does save them. They're thrown into the furnace, and the angel of the Lord meets with them in the middle of the fire. And they come out and nothing is singed, nothing is burned. They don't even smell of smoke. Right. That's my God. And I have seen my God work. And I know my God will continue to work. And my God can save nations. So, in conclusion, pray with us. Figure out what it what your job is in this fight, in this battle. We're not going to go down. We're not going to be crushed. We will win one way or another. And there is so much you can do. And if you're not sure what to do, reach out, start praying, and at the very least support those who are 
fighting the cause that you want to fight. If you are all about abortion and you want to see it ended, donate to groups that are fighting to end abortion. Do your research, but find the group that you really feel called to donate to. If you can't do that, donate to your church. Donate to the homeless shelter. Donate to ministries that happen to go around the nation talking about the Constitutional Foundation of America. But move, act, do, seek the Lord. And we've got some exciting stuff coming up. We've got more that we want to do. Um, as soon as I can get invested into this full time, I there's so much I want to do with it. There's so much that I want to grow on it. Um, and we're always looking for help in some way or another. So if, if you have a skill or a gift that, that you want to donate to us, please feel free to contact us. Um, let us know. Let's do something. So don't forget, guys, we are on Facebook. We are on Instagram. We are on Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud. We're on our website, www.theselfevidenttruth.com. We're on YouTube. We are also on BitChute. So check out BitChute. Become a follower. Subscribe to us. Um, subscribe to us on YouTube. Click the notification bell, all that stuff. Anyways, guys, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for allowing me to be your host today. Um, I know you're excited to get Massey back in the room. I am too. Um, and it's, it's going to be a fun couple of months. So with that being said, guys, I love you very much. Thank you so much. Love you.